Dear listeners, a warning that this episode contains a graphic description of a criminal act. Tired workers are deadly weapons. Episode 8, Tragic Road Rage Story. We delve into the complexity of fatigue, shift work and high performance versus just merely coping. For overproductive workers, we look at burnout. Fatigue can seem invisible. So how do we imagine the symptoms when we work anywhere? Ultimately, we ask, are we designing for what we want or what we do not want? Why Work podcast series. You are listening to Trace Petkovsky, Sarah Fazell and Alan Girl. Fatigue. Just getting tired thinking of the concept. I want to talk about fatigue. Everybody's talking about fatigue and so they should. And I think the conversation with respect to fatigue should be continuing. I read a case which is completely unrelated to work, but it is. So it, it's a criminal matter. It's a matter of the Queen against Hecky. It's actually relating to one punch. Now, when we think of one punch, we think of alcohol-fueled violence, young... Adolescence. Adolescence, you know, rat bags, um, perhaps hanging around the Valley Mall, a full of booze, and then for no reason, no rhyme, one punch someone and, and has caused the death of that person. So I found a really interesting snippet in one of these uh, so-called one-punch cases, and it's got me thinking about fatigue. I'll tell you quickly about this case, and then I want to hear your, your thoughts about it. So it was that, it was a one-punch, but this is what happened. The applicant awoke at 1.30am and left home at 2am in order to commence his working day at Murray at 3am. The applicant was employed in a warehouse lifting dry goods and worked his 12-hour shift with only an hour off for lunch completing his work at 3 p.m. Then the applicant drove home on the Gateway motorway. They were dovetailing each other. Uh, this is with the victim. The applicant pulled over. Both cars pulled over on the side and an altercation occurred. There was essentially a blow delivered to the applicants, uh, to uh, Mr. American's head, I should say. And Mr. American fell backwards on the roadway and within a second or two, he was hit by a truck. <gasps> so road rage has occurred. This is not a case involving a young alcohol-fueled violent altercation, but simply two family men. They both had children, so we're not dealing with adolescents, as you say, but rather they've had a, a serious altercation on the side of the road, and as a result of the one punch, a, a fatality has resulted. Now. It's interesting, the sentencing judge's remarks, and this is why I'm talking about this today, his honour said this, the fact that you were not affected by alcohol but fatigued after a long day at work and agitated by the encounter distinguishes your case from a case of alcohol-fueled violence like in Renata. So I picked that up to bring it to the table today, the fact that the court used the word fatigue and a long day shift. So... I want to ask you, this is, this is highly speculative, do you think to some extent doing such long shifts could alter a person's state so much that they are just not in a good place? I think there's, uh, there's more than that. Um, we recognise now, we're forced to recognise now that uh, working long hours is a psychosocial issue and by definition um, 
uh, being a psychosocial issue, it could cause psychological problems. But even before we were talking about psychosocial issues, fatigue has been a problem forever. Whether it's uh, people driving on the road or whether it's other things, tired workers make mistakes and when they make mistakes, people get hurt. It's significant, Trish. This is a lot to unpack because you're talking about road rage, needing to be in control, having an aggressive episode, and underpinning this, some element of fatigue here. And fatigue, if you're looking at cumulative fatigue, we know that that erodes generosity, benevolence is diminished. So even these aspects of how we contribute to social constructs, health and well-being, when people are overloaded and don't have that rest and recovery, their generosity just dissipates, right? So even just the nice, yes, how, how nice you are and how much you want to give to others shuts down. When you're fatigued, you can have these acute episodes as well, as Alan was mentioning about aggression, rage, incivility, right through to violence, right? These behavioral episodes. And fatigue is not just the shifts that you work, which I understand that was mentioned, but what's the nature of the work that you're doing? What are the interpersonal relationships? Are there high a significant physical demands that fatigue you physically and emotionally? Uh, is there a, uh, a situation where you have a lot of conflict or a lot of interruptions and there's cognitive overload? Is it cognitive underload where you're under-challenged and then you take risk-taking behaviors or you're simply lost in your attention? You know, so you've got this huge aspect to unpack and consider the employer's responsibility for creating this profile of a worker who's ready to ignite. Yeah, tinderbox. Tinderbox. Spark. So you've just mentioned quite a few things there about just what fatigue does to to a person. So it's a broad spectrum. Do you think this is a systemic issue in the way in which we work or have, do you think employees have got a handle on fatigue? Do they understand it? Well, fatigue's difficult to understand is an area of expertise in itself, but I think any workplace where there's extended working hours or long working hours, fatigue's potentially an issue. And complex work Mm. or work where the nature of the work can be emotionally demanding and taxing. Mm. This is often people talk about exhaustion. Are they referring to the same thing, fatigue, exhaustion? No, no, they're, they're... they're different, although related. So when we're talking about fatigue, we're, we're talking about the inability to um, perform a task, you know, whether it's driving or whether it's operating machinery or, or, or whether it's just coping with the emotional stresses of uh, a work environment. And exhaustion starts to approach burnout. Exhaustion starts to approach cumulative buildup eroding our threshold tolerances for small events that normally we would cope with quite well. It reduces our resilience, our ability to be adaptive and agile and self-generate, regenerate in good ways, learn, reflect, you know, be generous, all those kinds of things. So burnout where we just hate the universe at some point or hate ourselves and we can have other symptoms of a mental health disorder like depression. So fatigue, perhaps exhaustion, is the is the consequence burnout? Is this the final? Over time without restoration, there's certainly yeah. a risk for that. So you need to understand the contributing factors and there's not if there's not enough rest and recovery, yeah. what's what's happening here to lead us to that point? 
you're often asked by your insurer, would you like burnout insurance? I, keep, I, I say to them sometimes, what, for me? They go, no, no, for your washing machine. So <laughs> I, I see this term burnout as this, but does anybody really know what burnout means? Well, burnout yes. means a complete mental, physical and emotional exhaustion. You know, you're- Can you come back from it, though? And I guess that's that would lead into design opportunities. Like if you can't restore and you're burnt out, can you recover from a burnout? You can't recover a burnt-out motor, do, do people recover from a burnout? Psychologists would, would support yeah. the fact that if you have the right interventions, you're talking about a whole neurological regulation that's required, restoration, yeah. regulation, reframing, taking a whole inventory of what's part of those contributing factors. But yes, you would, you would go back to, it'd have to go back to then, as you said before, creating awareness and, and prevention and having to, this is no different to what we talked about earlier about addressing, you know, whether or not um, a person's okay working from home, who's monitoring the, the fatigue, who's keeping an eye on these things. So at you're home? talking about fatigue at home. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a big problem for employers mm. because you can manage what's happening within the work hours at the workplace, but it's very difficult to manage what's happening at home. And you, you can give advice, you can give support, um, you can make resources available, but you can't stop a person doing what they want to do in their recreational hours at home. Yeah, so again, that means to me, I'm thinking of an overly productive worker, an overzealous worker, somebody just who can't switch off. Well, you can, you can, you can have uh, problems where you have the a worker turn up in the morning at work and they clearly haven't slept all night. Mm. How do you manage that situation? Well, it's interesting that you say that because we spoke uh, earlier about lawyers who have this high commitment. They might be yeah. engaged, but perhaps over-engaged, if you use that term, so yeah. that they're so committed that they uh, you know, work in prolonged hours, in uh, ways that push themselves and that interrupt their involvement with other activities that would otherwise balance them, right? So it's this fine line of having the just right degree of engagement at work yeah. where you actually still take pleasure in taking a break from work too. But how do you control the um, overly invested worker? So we, we can measure fatigue in how many things you put on the conveyor belt and, and you, you can measure it in terms of time. How are you keeping an eye on that very productive worker? That's got to be tough. Or the worker has just been exposed to uh, feeling obligated to performing, doing the long hours, or being subject to very confronting type of work or physically exhausting work, right? Yeah, that would exhaust. Yeah, mentally exhaust. If you were exposed to those images, getting back to Kazarov's case, where just that constant viewing, law enforcement would be the same. The situation where law enforcement, that's right, the situation where you're short-staffed, you're trying to help your workers, workmates out. Maybe you're in that case where you're a frontline worker and you haven't had the option to work from home that we've talked about too. You're the first call respondent. You're the healthcare worker who's, you know, right there in the midst of the crisis and being called back to work for extra overtime. So actually exposure to uh, the level of intensity of work in itself could be um, a, a causative effect of fatigue. So in other words, you may only be working for a short period of time, but you, your ability to um, process. Too often I see employers trying to address fatigue management through industrial relations strategies by yep. simply talking about work shifts. That's right. And that's why I'm always careful to point out, hang on, this is not just an industrial relations workforce strategy issue. This is health, well-being, 
safety, risk management, that whole continuum. There needs to be separate policies around this to recognize not just work hours and breaks that are adhered to, but the nature of the work and the ongoing investigations about people's health and well-being because threshold tolerances will vary among individuals. And that's the point I guess I wanted to tease out was, so whilst we, we mentioned that previous case, he'd worked his 12 hours with the lunch break, so they're, they're measuring that in terms of, of time, they can chronologically sequence all that. What you're suggesting is what are these workers doing and that level of, in, of intensity, that is really what the design space is about, isn't it? And I go back to saying, are we designing for what we want or just what we don't want? So if we're designing for what we want, yes, you want inspired workers and you want revitalized workers. And they may temporarily go out of balance for traditional measures of heart rate and and sleep cycles if they're working in something they absolutely love and it's related to their higher aspirations but then you have adequate rest and recovery to recharge that person yeah that that's a really good way of looking at fatigue because you're right we're looking fatigue in a linear way oh you're working back to back 12 hours or you're driving long haul from here to here that's just one dimensional you're suggesting something different something multi-dimensional absolutely it's a system neurological system you've got systems in the body always go back to basic biological psychosocial cognitive factors and then look at the macro for the organization if you don't give the muscles enough adequate recovery cumulatively you're you're likely to have an injury if there's too much repetition if there's too much exposure over time right if you have an acute significant incident you can also have an injury but it's just yeah. immediately exceeded your threshold tolerances. Some sort of hypertrophy we talked about earlier, yeah. muscle growth, you've got atrophy, muscle diminishing. Similarly, cognitive, psychosocially, emotionally, nerves that synapse, the way you think, the decisions that you can make diminish. Something too severe, too acute, too obnoxious, something slow, insidious over time without recovery. What about doctors in emergency wards? They've got that long hours, but also the intensity and of what crisis. they're doing. Triple whammy, that's right, all combined. And a system that is, I use the term unregulated, meaning it has a constant state of flux. It's constantly in a state of unpredictable situations where you have to constantly adjust what you might have otherwise expected would be there. The workload, you don't know what's coming when an ambulance is ramped, right? So you're Mm. always in a situation of having to negotiate What's a priority? That's exhausting. So on that, I guess, do you think do you think the armed services are all over this? Because immediately thinking about what the ADF, what those who sign up well, would have to. Think that's, about veterans and mental health disorders yeah, right there. So you go, this fatigue is... Trauma, unpredictability, away from home, long hours. But always being on alert. So those who are writing these codes and policies and standards, you might be look, you'd be looking at fatigue at a broader um context that's that's the elephant in the room isn't it or the assumption that people can accommodate it because they've been doing it for a while as though that should be easily adjusted they get used to it it. that's Mm -hmm. right they get used to it not understanding that this can lead to exhaustion and burnout our resources that are available diminish over time it's comfortable to revert to behavioral based strategies to say oh you need to make sure that you're sleeping better you need to make sure your nutrition is good you need to make sure your hydration is good yes those are important helpful education aspects but what's the system of work what's contributing to this in the design of work
We hope you enjoyed that episode of Why Work. You've been listening to Trage, Sarah and Alan. And if you'd like to know more about some of the things we've talked about today, please subscribe and we'd be more than happy to provide you with information, names of cases, other things that may interest you. Please be aware that none of the matters we've talked about today should be construed as legal advice or any other type of advice. We're just here to talk about all things related to work. See you next time.